Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new bracket America. Soccer new bracket America. Feature Talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 84 of Soccer Noob Rock in America, featuring Person Noob. Hello! Thank you for greeting the folks. Very nice of you, daughter dearest. She is Person Noob because she's new to being alive. I am Soccer Noob because I've only been following soccer at all for a few years and only in earnest for a couple of years. I've got a long way to go, but you know what? Thank you so much for choosing to be a part of our learning journey. And this is going to be one of my favorite episodes ever, just because of the matches that we are covering. Uh, First, I'll let you know that our soccer week runs Friday through Thursday. That's going to be May 20th through 26th. And we always say that we are looking for the best, most intriguing matches from all over the world. But best as we define them. Sometimes we cover stuff from the big leagues and the biggest tournaments, but we are not afraid to go to uh, all kinds of far-flung corners of the footy world. Now, the reason I'm so excited for this particular week's episode, uh, as most you know, footy footy fans will obviously know, it's the end of the European season. Uh, there's a lot of really high stakes matches, a lot of high drama going on. Champions League berths that are still undecided. Uh, the league title is still up for grabs. Uh, you know, in the best league in the world, the Premier League. It is just an absolutely crazy end to the season. And for all those European leagues and all those and all that drama, none of the two teams that are up for a title or up for a Champions League berth are actually playing each other. And I happen to find so many other matches that I really wanted to cover as well that I simply decided, you know what? Other shows, they're going to take care of England and Italy and all these other big countries where the big drama is. We're going to stay here in the U.S., we're going to move around CONCACAF, and we're going to uh, jet-set ourselves all over the world for some crazy good and high-stakes matches in their own regard. So I'm really glad that you're tuned in to this particular one. So, hey, with no more gilding of the lily, let us jump right in with... March number one! We're going to waste no time getting into a trophy match. Head off to Africa on Friday for the Confederation Cup. That is the secondary international club tournament in Africa. It's the equivalent of the Europa League. Uh, Their final would be a single match played at a neutral site, Uyo, Nigeria. The top 12 league associations all got to send teams, and then uh, everybody else got to send just one. And your matchup will be between Orlando Pirates of South Africa and from Morocco. I'm still not sure the pronunciation. I've tried to find something I trust. R.S. 
Burkane or Burkani. In any case, we'll talk about the Pirates first. They are rated number 22 in all of Africa. They play out of the Soweto area of Johannesburg, which is in the southwest. In fact, Soweto stands for Southwestern Townships. Uh, That is, uh, if you're familiar with the geography at all, it borders right on the mining belt of the country. Now, that is where they play out of. They're actually based somewhere else, far side of the metro, it would seem, a northeast affluent suburb called either Houghton or Hofton. Uh, If you are a uh, person who knows a lot about human rights history or history in general, you may know that as the home of young Nelson Mandela. And why are they named Orlando? Well, that is one of the townships within Soweto where the club actually originated. Why are they the Pirates? I can sort of answer that. I know that the name was taken from, for them, I just don't know the why of it, from a 1940 Errol Flynn film called The Seahawk, which I really need to watch one of these weekends just because it's a a part of our soccer world. Maybe I can uh, start a whole different review podcast. Who knows? Soccer-related movies that aren't about soccer. Yeah, that'd be weird. Anyway, footy-wise, nine league titles to their credit, but they haven't won it in a decade. Now, they've won the Champions League in Africa. That was all the way back in 1995, though. So this is sort of an erstwhile power that is uh, trying to come back again here in the league and on the continent. They finished in second place in the Confederation Cup in 2015. Last year, they played in this as well, and they got as far as the quarterfinals. They qualified for this event this year as the 2020-2021 South African Premier Division third-place finisher. By the way, the league is ranked number six in all of Africa. I believe it's easily the very best of the uh, sub-Saharan League associations. They advanced to the final by beating all Ailey Tripoli, Two to one on aggregate in the semifinal. Key player to look for, tied for second best in event scoring with four goals, is Bandy, or excuse me, Bandele Shandu, midfielder, homegrown. Uh, never played for the senior national team, but he did rep as far for them as the U20s in South Africa. Now, how are they doing this year? I think that, uh, well, it's great that they're doing well in the league. We get a little, or uh, in the tournament, we get a little bit more stat-wise out of the league. So this year in the Premier Division, they're just in seventh place. It's getting near enough to the end of the season. They're not mathematically out of anything, but they're really unlikely to qualify for Champions League or for this event next year. Why? Pretty much because their offense is tapered off. They're only a little bit above average in that regard. Still have a top five defense, though. One more key player to look for, tied in the league for number three in assists. Really the guy that they need to jumpstart the goal scoring they're going to need for the final, I think. It's Vincent Pule, another South African. He is a forward. He was born in a really fun area I had never found before in the free state uh, called Kwakwa, which is uh, written as capital Q-W-A, no space, capital Q-W-A. Neither here nor there, but it just looked fun. As far as the team's current form, they are 1-1-2 in their last four, and everything's been low scoring. No surprise given how their league season is gone. Just a 2-2 goal differential. And now RSB out of Morocco, the Oranges Boys. Note that that is not the Orange Boys. Uh, Oranges are one of the many citrus fruits and one of the key ones that is grown there in this area in Morocco, which is in the far northeast corner. Uh, Population, uh, probably only a little bit of 
over a hundred thousand, uh, depending on what source you look at, it might be as big as a quarter of a million or close to it. It's an interesting part of the country uh, because Berber is the language that is spoken here, named after, of course, the Berber people. It's an agricultural area primarily, especially citrus, as I mentioned. It is funny that they're called the Oranges Boys because uh, Clementines are actually the number one thing from over there. Maybe they thought the, the Clementines Boys just didn't have the same ring in uh, in uh, Arabic or in Berber, I guess I should say. I'm sure both are spoken there, obviously. Uh, they were promoted to uh, Division One in 2011-2012, so they've really only been a force of any kind for about the last decade, at least recently in D1. Uh, But they have won this event before, and that was just back in 2019-2020. And the year before, they finished in second place. So they are really comfortable in this event, it seems like. They qualified for it by finishing as the number four team in the 2020-2021 Batola, which I believe translates to first division. In any case, it is the top flight in Morocco. And by by the way, that league is ranked number one in all of Africa. So when it comes to toughness of league competition, advantage to RSB. I think they would be a slight favorite for this match, uh, largely because of that. They advanced to the final over a really uh, good historical uh, Tanzanian team, TP Mazembe, beat them 4-2 on aggregate in the semifinal. Key player to look for, tied for second best in event scoring, once again, four goals, Youssef El Faley. He is a homegrown forward for them. As far as the 2021-22 Batola, they're about three quarters of the way through the season. They have really slipped off this year. They're only in ninth place right now. Just like their opponents today, the offense has been a little bit more of the issue. They're only tied for number eight in that regard. Uh, The defense is above average for them, but not by leaps and bounds. Uh, I think a big part of the reason, though, that they've just not been able to get higher in the table and contend for another international berth for next year is because they've gotten so many draws. Now, have they been uh, blowing leads or have they been making comebacks? That I'm not sure of, but they just have not been able to get over the hump this year in league play. League play does give us one more key player to look for, though. Top 10 in scoring is Chadrak Lukombe. He is a winger, 25 years old, uh, played for Almeria B over in Spain, but you would have to be uh, more, you would have to be far more than an average Spanish footy fan to recognize his name. Uh, The B squad for Almeria plays all the way down in the fifth tier of the Spanish pyramid. As far as this team's form, they are 4-0-3 in their last seven, uh, just with a really distinct alternating win-loss pattern. So if we're going by that, it's time for a loss. We're going by strength of league. I think that you have to give the advantage to RSB. They would be my pick. Match number B. Thank you for the weekly reminder, daughter dearest, that yes, indeed, number two, out the window with that nonsense. It's uncouth. Replace the phrase in your life with number B. Listen to it in action right now. Match number B is a Saturday match, and I think the most important one of the week. The Champions League final UEFA women. It's going to be Barcelona taking on Lyon, maybe the greatest final of all time, potentially. Barcelona is sort of uh, the big new world power, and then Lyon, they're not that removed from lots and lots of titles, of course, So, but they still qualify as sort of the uh, historical power here in the 21st century. Uh, Leon and Barcelona have played three times in recent seasons, and Leon won them all. 
You can catch this iteration for the trophy at 1 o'clock Eastern time in the U.S. on DAZN in the USA. Barcelona, let's take a gander at them first. Seven league titles since 2011 for them and the three-time defending champions. They don't have any really serious challenger over there on the domestic side. Last year, though, was their first Champions League title. So they qualified that way. And they once again, of course, as you would imagine, won the Primera Division Femenina last year. The Spanish Division I League, by the way, is ranked number three in all of UEFA. They advanced to the final by beating Wolfsburg 5-3 on aggregate in the semifinal. Key player to look for, tied for number one in event scoring with 10, is Alexia uh, Putea. She is an attacking midfielder from Spain. Almost has 100 national team caps to her credit. Uh, been playing with them since 2013, and she is just really dynamic. She used to play more as a forward. Now she tends to play more as a deep set playmaker, and she can even all the way drop all the way back and play defensive midfield real regularly if need be. So she is a tough one to uh, try to contain because she plays from everywhere. And then another uh, woman of the match possibility tied for second best in event assists with six is uh, Fridoline Rolfo or Fridoline. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. She's from Sweden and she plays forward. She's got over 60 60 national team caps to her credit as well. Uh, They've been on fire of late across all competitions, three straight wins with a 13 and three goal differential. Looking to see if they can wrest the crown back, though, is Lyon. They qualified as the number B finisher from the 2021-22 Division I Feminine. Uh, they've been the dominant power in that league for years and, and more or less unchallenged, but PSG has more or less caught up with them. That said, Lyon advanced to the final over PSG in the semifinal, 5-3 on aggregate. They have won every single French league title for the last 14 seasons until last year. Remember I said they finished in second place. PSG got it last year. Uh, They have won seven champions league titles. And until last year when Barcelona took it, they had won four straight Uh, tied for number three in events scoring. We have a USA connection cat, uh, Katerina Macario, not even a name I was familiar with, even though I've talked about them before. I'm not sure she was a huge league power for them, but boy, she is getting it done now. 22-year-old midfielder, Brazilian-born, but she moved to the U.S. Uh, when she was just nine years old. Played three years of college ball at Stanford. And then, oh yes, now I remember from my notes from yesterday, she made her debut for Lyon in February, so she has not been with the team all season. Boy, I think they uh, <laughs> I think they could have used her in the first half of the season because she's been on fire. And then helping her out, number one in event assists is Selma Baca. She is a French left back, 21 years old. Uh, pretty new to the national team side of things, so just four national team caps. But I think she's going to be a name to watch for for many years to come in that regard. And she's actually been playing for Lyon since she was 17 years old. We do have one other USA connection that I want to make mention of. Really loves playing over in Europe now. Uh, I I read some quotes from her recently. She's got nothing but love for America and the NWSL, but uh, kind of likens the style of play over here a little bit more to kickball, not in simplicity, but it's just more uh, a lot more dribbling, it sounds like, a little less less really exquisite passing. 
And uh, she just really prefers at this stage of her career the European version of the game. She's on loan from Portland right now, actually. And she has, I believe she's still active with the U.S. national team. She has over 100 national team caps to her credit. Match number three. That takes care of Saturday. The first of our Sunday matches, we head on south to Mexico, but not for the Liga MX playoffs yet. We're going to take a look at the second division, the Liga de Expansión, and this event is called their Campeón de Campeones final, the champions of the champion of champions. Here's basically what's going on. As uh, I'm sure most or all of you know, uh, the Mexican and most Latin American seasons tend to be divided into two separate seasons or stages, the opening and closing, Apertura or Clausura. That is also the case here in Mexico. But unlike in Liga MX, the winners of the Apertura and the Clausura stage play a final to determine who the overall champion for the year is. Now, that team uh, will still not get promoted, but maybe down the road, there's still going to be a really big, shiny trophy on the line. Plus, the winner, while not promoted, uh, the winning club will get 5 million pesos, which uh, is a little less impressive when you translate it to American dollars at a quarter quarter million. But hey, you know what? I would not sneeze at or on a quarter million dollars US either. It's a tidy sum of money. Now, they play a home and away two-legged tie. The first match between Morelia and Atlante, who are your two stage winners, went in favor of Morelia. Even though they were on the road, uh, they won nil one. And now Atletico Morelia gets to host the second leg with the lead already in hand. And that is all I'm going to tell you about this particular one, because As you know, once a show, we'd like to take a break from doing the uh, fully in-depth mini-previews and try to figure out how to make a little quid, a few extra pesos, if you will. After all, we got to pay for Person Noob's uh, college education somehow, some way. And so, when it is time to learn how we want to gamble, we always turn to none other than in-house prognosticator, 3,500-year-old Noob Stradamus. Take it away, almighty soothsayer. Are you there, Noobstradamus? Hey, Person Noob, have you heard from Noobstradamus today? Uh, not, not so far. Yeah, uh, me neither. That's that's weird. Normally we don't have trouble getting connection from him. Oh my gosh. Person Noob, you're, you're, you're aging before my eyes. You look, you're beginning to look positively ancient in your hair. It's becoming white and... Well, that looks really strange on you. Not bad, but uh, in addition to the flowing white beard, you even have a matching mustache. I can only surmise that though he is having trouble communicating with us in his usual way, that Noobstradamus is taking possession of you for a short time so that he may prognosticate through you. So once again, again, I say, take it away, O mighty soothsayer. Greetings from the merciless plains of Greece. Tis I, a soccer score you seek, but it will, but will it reveal itself? In the avatar of person new, I travel once again through space and time. Whee! I'm not surprised to wake in my vision in the National Anthropology Museum, given this, ma- given this match is held here in Morelia. Every several Aztec centuries, multiples of 52 of your current years, I I irresistibly 
drawn to some artifacts, talisman or idol in this region. In this age, what the Aztecs would call the fifth sun, you know, this desperately powerful relic as the sunstone. Today is Today it is correctly understood to not be a symbol calendar as once thought. It symbolizes time, yes, but silical time, war, and the nature of gods and man. What is only revealed to you now is my relationship to it. I seemingly immortal and holy. It is my duty to have saved humanity from its next destruction. Only I remember that the god Quetzalcoatl must be appeased, and she is a former son, one of light and mercy. Her nature not requiring fatal surf sat sacrifice, I slice my I sli I slice my right hand with the flint knife in my left and squeeze hard, wetting the sacred stone with my with my life force. I awake until the time of the fifth sun can continue. Be grateful. Previous suns have ended with everyone being turned to monkeys, fish, or even turkeys. Look it up, heathens. As for your score, Moriella shall win 5 now. I have seen, and I have spoken. Match number four. That was a heap of fun, but what do you say we hunt down another trophy match? We can find one in Argentina. Yeah, we're going to jet off to yet another confederation for the final of event called the Copa de la Liga Profesional. If you're not familiar with it, don't worry. That's because it's fairly new. And don't be confused by the Copa in that. It is not the FA Cup. This is something completely different. Uh, a couple of years ago, not real long after the uh, COVID pandemic started, the FA decided that they were going to not hold the regular season, the Primera División. Now, that was anticipated, but the club still wanted to play. So they created their own league body, which in turn created this event as a contingency for what happened. They ended up playing it, and it was popular enough that they brought it back the last couple of years. And this is not just uh, some standard uh, exhibition event, like, say, the Challenge Cup in the NWSL here in the U.S. This has some real heft to it. The winner of this match is going to get a Copa Libertadores berth, the South American Champions League. Now, who's participating in the event? Well, it's a single round robin between two groups of 13 teams each that are the 24 teams that participated in last year's Primera División, including the two that got kicked out, relegated, and they've also invited the two teams that were promoted for this coming year's Primera División, which, by the way, will start in June. So not too long of a break for them. They play their single round robin. The top four from each of the two groups made the playoffs. And now here we are in the final between Boca Juniors, the behemoth historically from this country, and Atletico Tigre. Uh, the series between these two recent seasons, juniors have had the best of it with an 11-4-3 record accrued. You can catch this one on Paramount+. Plus or on something I'm a little less familiar with, but called, I believe that you would pronounce it T-Y-C or maybe T-I-C, International USA. Three o'clock Eastern time here in the U.S. Juniors, they are known as the Genoese as they were founded by Italians. And in fact, they still play in the Italian neighborhood of La Boca, which is not only known for being Italian and somewhat touristy, but I did a little reading on it. And it turns out it's known for what they consider to be a very radical politics. I believe, for example, the first socialist uh, in the country was elected from this particular area. As far as the club, the IFFHS and FIFA have always ranked this club as one of the best in the world. In fact, I think the uh, 
the former of those organizations ranked them as the number one South American team for all of the 20th century. And why not? They've got 34 total league titles to their credit. Premier Division, their last one, and in 2019, 2020. And then they also went ahead and won the 2020 version of this event. They have five Champions League titles to their credit, haven't won one since 2007, though. Last year, they finished in fourth place in the Premier Division. This year, they finished in second place in their group, got into the playoffs, and then advanced over the final in a very defensive affair, clearly, because it was nil-nil after regular time and then some, and then they went on to win 6-5 on penalty kicks over Racing Club. All along, they'd been a very defensive club in the regular, uh, in the group stage. I was going to say regular season, but let's stick with group stage. They only conceded 11 games in a total of 14 matches uh, before they ended up getting to the final. Nevertheless, they do have a scoring sensation on the leaderboard for this event with seven is Dario Bendetto. He is a striker, veteran, 32 years old, with a very nice worldwide pedigree. Longest stint of his career by a little bit was with Marseille over in League One in France, but he also has spent substantial time with a couple of Liga MX teams, Club de America and Tijuana. Uh, He's oftentimes very much seen as a goal poacher, and yet he can be reassigned and play winger for a game or parts of a game. And when he does that, he's very unselfish and he can rack up lots of assists. So he is tough to stop. He hasn't had to do that in this event too much, though, because they also have the number one assist man on their side, Sebastian Vina. Via, rather, their Colombian midfielder. Team's current form, well, they just had a draw in the Copa Libertadores with Corinthians, and that snapped a five-smatch Five smatch? Five match winning streak. And now, coming to town to see if they can pull what I would consider to be an upset, Atletico Tigre. Uh, they've been a yo-yo team historically, and not just between Division One and Division Two. They were actually all the way down to the third tier of the Argentinian pyramid as recently as 2005. Yet despite that, no matter what division they're in, even before they ever made the top flight, this has always been one of the most supported teams in the country. Believe the the fourth best currently is where they are in terms of a estimated number of supporters. Uh, in 2020, they were in a really interesting position. They were they had qualified for the Copa Libertadores, and then during the during 2020 when they played in that, they ended up having a terrible regular season and ended up getting demoted. So they were the only non Division One team playing in that. Uh, They also play in the greater Buenos Aires provincial area in uh, the town of Victoria, which isn't that big by itself, only about 30,000. Tigre, on top of probably, you know, obviously a cognate for Tiger, uh, is actually also the name of the town in which the club was originally founded. So that's where they get that. Uh, Cool nicknames. They are known as El Matador, which I only just learned uh, simply means the killer. They are also known as the Northern Blues. Uh, They won Division II last year, and so they're one of those teams that uh, is getting to play that might not have in either of the first two years. Good on them for taking advantage of the invite, I must say. Uh, They finished in third place in the group. They were in the same group as uh, Boca Juniors. Uh, They finished seven points behind them. As far as the offense, uh, they were tied for six on offense, but uh, really – that was better than average. They were tied with a whole bunch of teams, but the defense is where they've been buttering their bread. Uh, they were second best in that regard. Also, just like Boca juniors uh, conceding less than one goal per match. Uh, they advanced to this final over Argentinos juniors one, one, and then three, one on penalty kicks in the semifinal. 
uh, man of the match possibilities if they can pull the upset. Their best player, I believe, is Sebastian Prediger. He's a defensive midfielder, 35 years old. He, not really the goalie, really anchors this defense, it looks like. Uh, European footy fans, you might recognize his name. He had a cup of coffee with Porto, one of the big three over in Portugal early in his career. This team's form, uh, they've won uh, two straight matches, which sna- those two snapped a four-match winless streak. So they're getting back into form just in time, it looks like. Match number five. We remain on Sunday, and it's time for our featured Major League Soccer match of the week. This is fun to say. Number one in the Western Conference, Austin FC, an expansion team that just had their first season last year. Looking good so far this year, but how much can we really read into it, their success? They've had a soft schedule so so far for the most part, but let's let them enjoy it while they can. They are playing host to number four in the East, Orlando. Here's how the table looks. Uh, Austin currently lead LAFC by three on goal differential. They're tied on points. Orlando, meanwhile, they are tied. At the time that I scouted this, I realized this all might change by the time you hear that hear this, and that goes for any match. They are tied with Montreal and New York Red Bulls on points in the table. You can catch this match on uh, ESPN Plus at 8 o'clock Eastern time. Quickly for our newest listeners and fans of the game, uh, here's how the MLS works in terms of the playoffs. Uh, We've got two conferences, East and West. The top seven teams from each will make the playoffs at the end of the year. The winners of each of the conferences will get a bye and not have to play in the first round. And now the uh, very surprising, uh, despite the soft schedule I mentioned, Austin FC. Last year, they were in second to last place. All the Texas teams had a terrible season. I think they occupied the last three spots in the Western Conference. But uh, Austin has certainly turned it around so far. They've got the number one offense in all of Major League Soccer going. I believe they're the only team that has been scoring more than two goals per match. They've also had the third best defense going in the conference, giving up only one game, only one goal per match on average. All good for the number one goal differential. Will they be able to keep up that pace as the competition gets tougher with teams like Orlando? Well, certainly looking to make that happen. Key players uh, tied for second best in league scoring with seven goals. Sebastian Driussi, he is their Argentinian attacking midfielder, uh, came up with River Plate, one of the great clubs uh, back there from uh, back home for him. A little bit of a European pedigree. He played for Zenit St. Petersburg over in Russia. And then helping set him up, number one in all of Major League Soccer and assists with seven is Diego Fagundes, whose last name I just love saying. And now I love more than ever because I uh, only have about 30% of my hearing left. I'm probably a little bit older than I sound. And so I watch matches and everything else with closed captioning as well as the regular volume. Now, sometimes these services seem to uh, have more prep work done than other times. Uh, sometimes they seem to have all the names in there in advance and the programming seems to recognize it and get it all correct. Sometimes, like last time when I was watching Austin on television, you get Diego Fagundes, his name coming up as Diego Fun Goodies. Yeah, I really want to find out if he's got a Twitter account and see if he'll uh, accept that as some sort of uh, official or formal nickname, Diego Fun Goodies Fagundes. Yeah, he probably won't, but I'll probably still try.
Uh, he plays attacking midfielder as well. He is from Uruguay, but moved to the U.S. when he was five years old. Uh, New, New England Revolution fans, I am certain, miss him dearly, losing him in the expansion for Austin because he was with them and doing well for 10 years. But who has been really hot is another one of their designated players, uh, their Finnish defensive midfielder, Alexander Ring. Now, they officially list him as defensive midfielder. He, he plays all over the middle third of the field and then some. He's got a couple of goals, a couple of assists. In fact, they, he had their only goal in a loss just two matches ago. Uh, then he uh, also has spent several seasons with NYCSC, so he is not new to Major League Soccer. Going to be very key for them all year. Team's current form, they just got a very impressive win, uh, a 1-2 road victory over LAFC, which is the reason they're now tied with them on points. That snapped a two-match losing streak. So the competition had gotten tougher, looked like they weren't going to be able to keep up. But boy, beating the Falcons, that is a really nice scalp to get. Coming to town, looking to protect their own hides this particular time, are the very boringly named Lions of Orlando. One of the reasons that I don't like this particular club. There are so many clubs all over the world that have this nickname. Could we please get rid of some of the Lions and bring up some more interesting, if perhaps less majestic, animals. Now, this is not the only reason that uh, Team Noob has a strong, intense dislike uh, for this team. And it's not the only team that we don't like. Other clubs and other cities, uh, we are not fans of either, and all for the same reason. Uh, we don't feel like there's been enough of you joining us in like-mindedness. Maybe I haven't been explaining it well enough on other episodes. So, to help articulate our case for why should we, we should dislike teams like Orlando, we welcome and introduce our new friend to the program from the University of Central Florida, a science professor and a wetland ecologist, Dr. and I'm hoping I'm getting this right, Arbrey Callen or Salen, not sure with which, I believe it's French, but in any case, do help us out, sir, and give us your thoughts on this subject. Uh, did you say soccer noob? The phone message you left in our department secretaries, uh, it sounded like soccer news. Oh, well. Whether you be reputable or not, here's the long, boring scientific answer to your question. You can't build a city on a swamp. I lied. It's that simple. Did you really need to bother a tenured professor for that? Gracious. You're old enough to remember the Winter Park sinkhole from 1981. That BC ate 250,000 cubic feet of soil, a sycamore, a house, five Porsches, a camper top pickup truck, and a three-legged dachshund named Workworth. And that was for breakfast. With climate change, bigger ones are coming. Just you wait and see. Now nothing good can come from a marsh metropolis. Hmm. So, soccer news, uh, or, noob, uh, or noob, or whatever. Use your head for something better than brain-damaging headers, and quit asking me asinine questions. Nice talking to you, and thank you for your call. Thank you very much for taking the time, Professor. Nevertheless, despite our dislike for this team, we will give them their proper share of the mini-preview. Last year, they finished in 10th place. 
that was pretty good, Dad. I appreciate it. <laughs> Last year, they finished in 10th place in the East, and they uh, that was actually good enough to make the playoffs, but they uh, fell out in the first round. Uh, in 2020, they finished in fourth place in the East, and they made the playoff quarterfinals. That's the best season they've ever had in both regards. This year, they're lucky to be even in fourth place. If you look at the stats, they're tied for only 10th best on offense. They're barely scoring over a goal per match. The defense is a, a lot better, but it's only uh, fifth best in the conference. In fact, they've got a negative goal differential going. I, I Maybe this is wishful thinking, but I really think that they're going to uh, have to claw and scratch, pun intended, since they're Lions, to try to hang on to maybe the last playoff spot by the end of the year, seventh place. Heartily disagreeing with me, I am sure, is Mauricio Pereira from Uruguay, attacking midfielder, 32 years old. He is top 10 in the league in assists. Played six seasons with Krasnodar over in Russia before he came over here. And then, uh, always a star in the league, tied for number one in clean sheets right now, is goalkeeper Pedro Gaiassi, the Peruvian sensation veteran, 32 years old. Uh, spent the biggest part of his career with Veracruz, the now-dissolved team that was playing in Liga MX until somewhat recently. Now, uh, since I don't like Orlando, I did want to look for a weak link on the team, see who was doing the worst statistically and maybe in recent matches. And it looks like the guy I want them to pick on is right-winger Jake Mulraney from Ireland. Uh, he's only got one goal in uh, in the nine appearances that he's made. In fact, he's only made even one attempt on goal. Doesn't have, uh, if you expect him to track back on, uh, inter- on defense, he doesn't. He hasn't made an interception on the year. Uh, he's only gotten one clearance on the year. He's a mediocre passer, poor dribbler. Uh, came over from Atlanta United on a free transfer, and no wonder with stats like those that they didn't charge them any money. As far as the team's current form, well, uh, they've won their last two matches. Here's to hoping that Austin can put an end to that. Kittens have needs, needs for a recap. They want one from last week's matches, and they shall have it. Match number one last week was a Friday match from Africa's Champions League, the second leg of a two-legged tie semifinal between White Ad AC Petro de Luanda. Uh, the result was a 1-1 draw, which meant that White Ad won 4-2 on aggregate and that they will face Egypt's Al-Ali in the Champions League final over there. Saturday, match number B from Major League Soccer. Number eight, Houston Dynamo took on number six, Nashville, both in the Western Conference. The home team got the 2-0 win. That was despite losing a man to a red card in the first half. So the two of them switched places in the table. Match number three from Finland's Kansalinen Liga, which is the women's top flight there. We had second best PK35 Varna playing host to number one KUPS. And I still consider this something of an upset, even though it was at home for them. Varna won the match 2-1. KUPS are always the best team in this league. Uh, KUPS still are number one in the league, in fact, but the two teams are now tied on points. And Varna have a match in hand. We may end up with a real race here from the long haul. Match number four from the USL Championship. Number three, San Diego Loyal was to take on number one in the West Colorado Springs, but that match was postponed, presumably due to weather. Match number five from the Bundesliga in Germany. Last match of that season, number three, Leverkusen took on number five, Freiburg, and it was the home team getting a 2-1 win. Their superstar, Patrick Schick, got an assist. Uh, That dropped Freiburg down to number six. They will earn a Europa League spot for next year. 
match number six, back to Africa to the League A of Burundi, where number one Atletico Olympic took on number three Flambeau de Center. And this was the last match of the season. Uh, the home team, Olympic, got the win. And uh, number B in the standings, or no, excuse me, number three Flambeau de Center won the match one to two. Couple that with the number B team's loss, Bumamaru, and the last match of the season, we saw the number three team climb up and take the title in the Champions League berth. Congratulations to Fanblo de Center. Match number seven from Mexico's Liga de Expansión, the second division. It was time for their final, the second leg of the two-legged tie of the Placera stage. Atletico Morelia versus Sonora. Uh, leg one went nil-nil, by the way, and this time Morelia, they got it done in home with a 2-0 win. Both of their goals were very late in the game after the 80th minute, and so they win 2-0 on aggregate. Sunday, match number eight, we looked at the Swiss FA Cup final, where league number four, Lugano, took on number five, St. Gallen, two of the top flight teams, Swiss Super League, and Lugano won in a route 4-2-1. Congratulations to them on the Europa League berth. Uh, Tuesday, match number nine from the Copa Libertadores, South American Champions League group stage. Uh, number three in their group, Caracas, took on out of Bolivia. Number B, the strongest, and they played to a nil-nil draw. Wednesday, match number 10, the Europa League final in Europe. Eintracht Frankfurt took on Rangers, and after going one-to-one after 90-plus minutes, they had to settle it with penalty kicks, and it was Eintracht Frankfurt coming out on top with the trophy, 5-4. to four. And now your bonus matches with explanations to come later. Uh, your route of the week was a Sunday match from Kazakhstan's Premier League. The last place, number 14, Mokhtaral, took on number four. Usually it's a number one team, but they had slipped after scouting. Caspier Akto, and we had an upset. Mokhtaral defended their home turf and got a 2-1 win. Congratulations, but you're still in last place. Then the most meaningless match in the world, a Sunday match from the men's top flight in Finland, the Vikas Liga, number eight, Ilve, took on number nine, IFK Mariham, and the result was a 1-0 win for Ilve that uh, put them up to number five, and it dropped Mariham all the way down to number 10. It's very early in the season. That's one of Europe's summer leagues. And then finally, for your match of Disappointed, the Sunday match, we went to French Guiana. The Regional one is the top flight there. And uh, number eight, EF Irakobo, was slated to play number seven, St. George. But as was truly appropriate for a match of Disappointed, it didn't say postponed when I read. That match was just plain old canceled. Apparently, nobody wanted to see it. So that concludes your recap from last week's matches. Now let's get back in to tracking the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. That concludes our weekend for the moment, but don't forget we still do have our super fun bonus matches at the end of the regular 10, and we're going to have some weekend action there. You don't get Mondays off, New Bites, like you normally do. We've got a good match to look at for number six, the Caribbean Club Championship. Yeah, we're staying right here in CONCACAF. It is an event that has reached its final. It's being hosted in the Dominican Republic. There's only six teams that have taken part in it from three different nations. In fact, uh, the Caribbean Club Championship, as opposed to the Caribbean Club Shield, is for teams from currently the four countries that have professional leagues in the Caribbean, uh, the DR, Haiti, and Jamaica, 
Uh, they're the ones that sent teams this particular year. Trinidad and Tobago, their league is fully professional. For some reason, they didn't send any entrants this year. In any case, the six teams that did come, well, they divided into groups of play, played a two-match single-round robin. Top four teams went to the playoffs. Here is what is at stake. The winner of this is going to go get to go straight into the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, the uh, team that loses this match and the team that wins the bronze medal match, they will get direct berths into the CONCACAF League, which is a feeder tournament for the CCL. And then the team that loses, just for fun, we're going to cover this, that bronze medal match, they will play the winner of the aforementioned CONCACAF Club Shield, the one for all the amateur teams in the Caribbean. Uh, they will They will face off for one more CONCACAF League berth. Your matchup for the final is Cibao out of the Dominican Republic. And my French isn't very good. I'm going to pronounce it Violet. Maybe it's Violet, but I don't think so. In any case, they are out of Haiti. Cibao, they are your home team. They are known as the Orange Beast and play out of Santiago. Uh, that is the second biggest city in the country. And it's actually the biggest non-coastal city in all of the Caribbean, which I found interesting. Uh, the club uh, is named after the region, Cibao. And uh, Santiago, uh, by the way, is the nation's historic capital, just isn't now. Uh, what it's primarily known for now, it's uh, a very strong economy there. They've got a big middle class. They deal with a lot of uh, uh, commercial industrialized products, a lot of finished, uh, finished goods. Because it's not coastal, they don't rely too much on tourism. The club, it was founded in 2017. In fact, that year, they won this very event. Uh, this iteration, they qualified for it as the 2021 uh, Dominican Liga de Football winner. They advanced to the final by beating their countrymen, uh, Club Vega Real, 1-0. Uh, by the way, the Liga Mayor is, uh, at least according to Kick Algorithms, a site that I really like, is probably the 10th best league in all of CONCACAF and the second best in the Caribbean. In the 2022 league season, they are currently in second place. It's about halfway through there. They've got the number one offense going, scoring over two goals per match and a defense that is nearly good to go along with it. They may very well find themselves here yet again. Current form, they are 2-1-0 in their last three. And when they played in the group stage, they were in the same group. They, uh, they beat Violet in that uh, group stage 3-0 when they faced off. And now Violet, they are known as Le Vieux Tigre, the Old Tiger, and they play out of the capital city of Port Al Prince in Haiti. They have won uh, the league title seven times, I believe. Sometimes things are a little sketchy when you're looking at some of these smaller leagues. I believe the last time they won it was in 1999. They have made six CONCACAF Champions League appearances. And in fact, and it wasn't called this back then, but they actually won the event back in 1984. I got a hard time believing a Caribbean team is going to win it again anytime soon. But boy, wouldn't that be fun. Uh, let's see. I believe that this might be their first appearance in the Caribbean Club Championship since 1999. This is not... This has not been a great team here in the 20th, uh, 21st century, I mean. I, I told you I was getting old earlier when I mentioned the hearing, didn't I? I can't even remember what century it is. And uh, in fact, I think they might have been down in the second division in Haiti as recently as 2015 from what I've been reading. Uh, they qualified for this event as the 2020 League HN winner. I don't think they had a season or a full league season last year. They advanced to the final over Waterhouse from Jamaica, beating them 1-3 to 
in the semifinal. Uh, this year in their league season, they are really struggling again. Uh, they're in the second stage, the Clotour, and they are just in 12th place out of the 18 teams. Uh, the offense isn't that great, but the real problem is defense. Uh, they're in uh, 12th place in that particular regard. Uh, last stage, which they call the, uh, I'm just going to pronounce it overture. I am sure that is not right for the French, but it's the opening stage of the season. They finished in sixth place a little bit better. Uh, they got the last playoff berth by finishing number six. Uh, but then guess what? They won the playoffs and so have qualified for the next Caribbean club championship. So who knows? Maybe they're just sort of taking it easy here in the second league stage. As far as the team's current form, they have won two straight matches with a very nice six and three goal differential. They had lost the two before that with a goal differential of just one, four and five against. So they appear to be straightening themselves out at just the right time. Match number seven. We could do two full episodes pretty much if we just wanted to cover FA Cup finals from around the world this week. There are 20 going on. 19 of them are happening in Europe, including really big ones like the one in Germany. But given that this is a little bit of a screwball show where we look for big matches where they are being played, we thought we'd have some fun and do the one match that is from the Asian Confederation. This is the Copa Paulino Alcantara tournament, the FA Cup final in the Philippines, where the winner is going to get to go to the group stage of the AFC Cup next year. That is not the Champions League. That is a secondary tournament in Asia. Now, all of the teams, seven of them that are playing in this are from the uh, top league, and that league is ranked number 19 in Asia. They played a single round robin. Uh, The top four teams made the playoffs. Well, actually, the fifth place team got to go because the team that finished in fourth is a uh, basically a U23 team. And they decided they'd rather go have fun at the uh, Southeast Asian games and continue in this. So uh, number five, Stallion Laguna got their place, but they didn't make the final. Who did? Kaya Iloilo, and they're taking on United City, playing in the city of Carmona, which is a neutral site in, I believe, I'm going to pronounce it the Cavite province, might have it wrong. When these two played in the group stage, they tied 1-1. This time it is for all the marbles. We'll talk about Kaya first. They are known as the Lions, boo, playing out of the city of Iloilo. Uh, Yay, I guess. Why not? It's in the west central part of the country. Uh, It's a metro of well over a million people overall in history uh, buffs. Yeah, this was the last capital city uh, of the Spanish Empire in Asia before the country was then ceded to the USA. Something else that this area is famous for, I found that was fun, uh, the Para Annual Regatta Festival. It's the oldest Asian traditional sailboat race. They specifically use a Visayan, uh, Visaya is the name of that region, double outrigger boat. So you have to use the local double outriggers for it, but it's been going on for ages and that just really caught my eye. Anyway, but we're here to talk about the footy, yeah, mostly. Uh, Kaya, by the way, uh, means key to brotherhood, And then it also means we can in two of the different native languages. I remember one was uh, Tagalog. Don't remember about the other one. In any case, I thought it was pretty cool that they were able to choose this name because of the meaning in two different languages. Uh, They have been the runners up in the top flight. The last three league seasons that have been played. uh, Last one was 2020. They didn't do it last year. Uh, They won this event in 2018 and they won it last year, even though the league season wasn't played this event was played. Uh, they played in the 2022 
uh, Champions League preliminary round, uh, but they lost to Sydney FC 0-5. But good on them for even getting there. Uh, 2021 Champions League, they actually made the group stage. That was the best they've ever done. Uh, 2016, they made the AFC Cup round of 16. That's the best they've ever done in that particular tournament. Uh, they finished the first stage in uh, first place by three points. They had a 5-1-0 record, one of two undefeated teams. They had the best offense going. They were the only ones scoring over two goals per match. And believe it or not, only giving up a goal every other match on average was good just for the second best defense in the competition. Pretty interesting. Uh, good for the overall number one goal differential. They advanced over uh, that number five team I mentioned, Stallion Laguna, 1-0 in the semifinal. Player to look for, number one event score with uh, twice as many as anybody else. Uh, with six is Daizo Horikoshi from Japan, plays forward. Uh, if you follow Singaporean football, which I know might be a long shot, but he used to play for uh, their historical best team, uh, Albirex Niigata. Now, for some reason or other, in my brief previous looks at the teams from this country, I have been under the impression that Kaya was the best one, but it is the challengers here, United City. The Golden Boys, a club they were founded 10 years ago as Ceres LaSalle FC. Uh, they currently play in New Clark City, which is a planned community sort of on the outskirts of a town called Capas, which is the richest town in their province. So perhaps this club has a lot of money going because they, in fact, are the four-time league defending champions. They also won this event in uh, 2019. Never have been past the group stage in the Champions League. In fact, they played in this year's version and they lost all their matches. But they have been as far as the round of 16 in the AFC Cup. They did that in 2016. Uh, if for this event, they were the first round's other undefeated team, even though they only finished in third. They went 2-4-0. and oh. uh, They had the third best offense, but the defense was really good. They only conceded two goals. Uh, tied for second best in event scoring, key player to look for, Ricardo Sendra, Argentinian midfielder, 34 years old with a bit of an interesting history that the biggest club he probably has ever played for was uh, Persero over in Indonesia. But he left them part of the way through the season because he wasn't getting paid or wasn't getting paid everything that he was due. Ended up training with some, uh, having to leave the country basically, uh, trained with some third division Spanish club, and then ended up over in the Philippines and hasn't left. This is, in fact, the fourth club that he has played for in this country. Uh, this team advanced to the final, by the way, over uh, a brand new team. They finished second best in the group stage, Dynamic Herb Cebu. Match number eight. Since we didn't give you Monday off, you can take Tuesday, but get ready for the U.S. Open Cup on Wednesday. It's reached the round of 16, and Union Omaha from the third tier of American soccer is still alive. Yeah, they play in uh, USL's League One, but they will be playing host this time to their toughest opponent yet, I believe, Major League Soccer's Inter-Miami. Uh, you can see how it's going to go at 8 o'clock Eastern time on ESPN+. And for the third straight episode in which we've mentioned the Open Cup and Union Omaha, we're not actually going to talk anymore about the match. It always seems to fall at the time of episode where we take a break from talking footy and instead we talk culture, usually food, this time something a little bit different, that relates to the area in which the match is being played. We learn footy, we learn the world, it's part of what makes the show unique. Plus, I think I'm secretly mad at uh, Union Omaha because in the first round of this tournament, they beat Des Moines Menace. 
from League Two. And uh, I'm, I lived in Des Moines for a few years. And in fact, I'm an Iowa native. So yeah, Union Omaha, thanks a lot. So I'm not going to talk about you. Anyway, but we will talk about uh, the Native American tribe of the Omahas, an aspect of their societal culture uh, from uh, pre-settlement time, something I was unfamiliar with, never run across this in the world. Now, maybe it's more common than I'm giving it credit for, but it seemed unique to me. Uh, The Omaha Native Americans uh, back then saw a really inseparable relationship between the sky and the earth and it affected their social structure very directly. In fact, they view the entire cosmos and all living things through this specific lens, through these two aspects of nature, if you will. In fact, they divide, uh, they would divide their, they had their tribe divided, I should say, into two half tribes called moieties. One was called the Intashunda, the sky people, and the other one was Han Geshenu. I'm probably butchering the pronunciations, but hey, can't learn all can't learn all the soccer and all the languages at once. In any case, they are the Earth people, and each of these two uh, moieties or half tribes had their own patrilineal chief. By the way, uh, the sky in that culture is very much considered a male aspect, and the Earth is considered to be uh, very female. Uh, the people of the sky moiety attended to the spiritual needs of all the people, and then the Earth moiety, they uh, tended to do jobs that took care of the physical needs of all of the Omaha Native Americans. Now, each moiety was divided into five clans, where I think the anthropological term is gens, and they each each of those clans had their own responsibilities. And uh, people always married outside their own gens, from what I read. What I'm not sure of is if uh, the earth tribal people and the sky tribal people, if they intermarried or if you had to stay within your own moiety. But still, I found it really, really interesting. And I'm sure if you get on your Google machine, you can go down your much deeper rapid trail. And I hope you enjoyed it. Match number nine. Let's head on back to South America once again. I mentioned earlier in this show that the Copa Libertadores, the South American Champions League, was going on, and it is time for the last matches of their group stage. A reminder, all the teams are playing in groups of four. The top two teams are each going to advance to the knockout stage. The number three finishers will drop down to their secondary international tournament, the Copa Sudamericana. Now, uh, easily the most dramatic group that is uh, going right now is Group B. The top two teams have seven points, and the other two teams have six points. But I covered a game from that group last week, so I didn't want to repeat myself, and I found a really good match from Group F for us to look at. Number three in the standings, Colo Colo from Chile, is taking on number B, Brazilian club Fortaleza. Uh, River Plata ran away with this group long since. Uh, they've been killing everybody. But these two are tied in the table at seven points. Fortaleza lead on the tie-breaking goal differential. So if Cola Cola don't want to have to drop down to the Copa Sudamericana, they have to win. A draw simply won't do. I'll also make mention real quick that Alianza Lima out of Peru, I think they've only earned one point in group play. So mathematically, they're completely out of it. When these two played earlier in the group stage, Fortaleza, well, they dropped all the points. Colo Colo beat them one to two. Now, can they defend their home turf? 
They play out of the city of Macul in the central eastern part of the country, the greater Santiago area. Now, I know 20 years ago that this town proper only had about 100,000 people. I have a feeling it's blossomed quite a bit since then. It's a very popular residential area, and it's very industrialized, very big middle class and well-to-do. Probably part of the reason that they have the most league titles in the country when you've got all that money sitting around you. They've won 32 of them. They won the Champions League back in, uh, or the Copa Libertadores, I should say, in the late 1990s. The last time they appeared was two years ago, 2020. They did not advance past the group stage. They qualified for this year's event by finishing in second place in the Premier Division last year. And by the way, their league is, rank, league is ranked number seven out of the ten, at least by kick algorithms. So it's a little bit below average overall in South America, even if the team is not. This year in the group stage, they are 2-1-2. and two, With a rather surprising 6-9 and nine goal differential, their defense is actually the worst in the group. Uh, tied for, uh, tied, no, in the top ten in event scoring, with three goals is Argentinian forward Juan Martin Lucero. Uh, he spent three seasons with Tijuana, so Liga MX fans may know him, but he also did get loaned out a fair bit uh, back to other uh, Argentinian clubs. I did find one cool side note about him because nothing else in his uh, uh, footy pedigree really matches this. One particular season mid-career, I think he's in his early 30s now, he went way abroad and spent a season with Johor Darul Tazim of the Malaysian Super League. Maybe he had met a girl. Maybe he ate some good Malaysian food at a restaurant closer to home and decided to move there. Not sure why he would go there for one season and come all the way back. Would love to find out the story sometime, but we don't have that long a show. Uh, this year, the Premier Division, they're about halfway through, and this club is in second place. They are the only team in the league that is scoring more than two goals per match. Uh, their defense is top in the league as well. I said they're in second place, but they've also got a match in hand against the team that's ahead of them by one point, Union Española. Uh, make no mistake, Cola Cola is going to pass them at some point and probably sooner rather than later. As far as the team's current form, uh, they just had a three-match unbeaten streak ended by uh, River Plate. Argentina. <laughs> Plate whopped them uh, 4-0, but given that that's one of the greatest clubs in South America, the shame is not too great. Speaking of shame, let's talk about Fortaleza. I don't want to be too hard on them, but they are known as the Lion of PC. I have had my fill of lions, but at least the PC part is kind of interesting. The land that this club acquired for a stadium in the 1950s had been an American military base post-command, abbreviated PC. Uh, they now spell it out P I C I and, and refer to the general areas that, even though the base, I believe, is uh, completely gone now. Uh, the city they play in, uh, after which the club is named, is the capital of the uh, Ceará state. It's in the northeast part of the country, it has over 4 million people in it. Uh, they won Division Two in Brazil in 2018. Now, I am not sure if this is their first time in Serie A. Uh, but this is, I know for sure, the first time they've ever appeared in the Copa Libertadores. They qualified for it by finishing in fourth place in last year's Serie A. They have the same record, 2-1-2, and two, as their opponents today, but a better goal differential, 6-6, six and six, so perfectly even. Now, what's really confusing is as well as they're doing in the event, looking like they might well advance as long as they can get at least a draw, they're in dead last place in Serie A this year. 
20th. They haven't won a single game. Now, they're only five matches into the league season. Most of the teams are six matches in. But still, no wins, even while you're competing in the Copa Libertadores. That's really something. Uh, Defensively, they're okay. A lot of the leagues in the team are kind of all in the same area for that. But they've only scored three goals in five matches. Uh, maybe they're playing the reserves in the league and saving everything for the Copa Libertadores, but somehow I don't think so because they're deep in the relegation zone early on. Anyway, the best player that they've got going on the year is on the defensive side, the singularly named Tinga. He's a very good dribbler, very good tackler, plays center back. Uh, Statistically, he's actually better than their goalie, so he really anchors things for them. As far as the team's form, they are 2-0-1 in their last three across all competitions with 4-3 and three goal differential. And match number 10. We're done. Finally. Yes, finally, my sweet child. But hey, at least we're bookending the main part of the program here with another trophy match. It's the Europa Conference League final. The first year they've held this particular event, the Tertiary International Club Tournament in Europe. Final will be played in Tirana, the capital of Albania and the winners are going to earn an automatic berth into the Europa League next year, the secondary tournament. You can catch this on TUDN or Paramount Plus at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and that is to catch Roma taking on Feyenoord out of Italy and the Netherlands, respectively. They've only played a couple times ever, or at least in recent seasons. Uh, Roma snagged a uh, win and a draw in those two. They are known as the She-Wolf and I believe are the, uh, ranked almost in the top 10 of clubs in Europe. Seems like they should be playing in a higher event. I almost wonder if that's a typo in my notes, but I don't think so. Uh, domestically, they've won the Serie A league title three different times. Uh, most recent time was 2000-2001, uh, so it's been a while. That said, in 2017-18, they made the Champions League final before losing. Uh, other than that, they have still appeared quite a bit there. Uh, usually they get to the quarterfinal. Last year, they made the final of the Europa League before losing. Boy, they're really itching for this trophy, I'm willing to bet. Other than that, they typically make it to the round of 16 for that event. They qualified for this event by finishing in seventh place in last year's Serie A. They advanced to the final by be- beating Leicester City in the Premier League 2-1 on aggregate. Uh, key people to look for, tied for second best in event scoring, or not tied, he's got it all to himself with nine goals, Tammy Abraham, 24-year-old English striker, who was with uh, Chelsea for his first senior years, but they loaned him out about half the time. And he's got 10 national team caps under his belt since 2017. Really good young player, and that makes me very happy that there's a lot of transfer a lot of talk of him transferring in the offseason to his childhood favorite and perhaps my current favorite uh, uh, team, just because they're the uh, rival of Tottenham Hotspur, which uh, we very much dislike here. Arsenal is where he could be headed. Number one in event assists is Rick Karsdorp. He is a Dutch right back. Love seeing those defensive players get in so much on the offensive side of things. Uh, Interestingly, uh, he's been around a few years, and he's only ever played for two clubs. Roma and Feyenoord. So I don't know if he's really thrilled with that or, uh, you know, feels bad about playing his old club. I don't know, but I'm sure he'll be trying hard, obviously. Uh, Serie A this year with one match to go. Uh, Roma is in fifth place uh, with a loss. They could end up potentially finishing in sixth. Either of those positions automatically earned them a Europa League berth. 
Uh, In-league play, the offense has been a bit of a bugaboo. They're only tied for ninth in that regard, very average. The defense is somewhat better, but not at the very top of the league by any means. Nevertheless, tied for second best in clean sheets in the league is Rui Patricio, a veteran from Portugal, 34 years old, spent the majority of his career with Porto, one of the big three clubs over in Portugal. And then he did some work with uh, Wolverhampton once they were in their Premier League as well. Teams current form, they are 1-1-1 in their last three. And then Feyenoord coming to town. They are the number 42 ranked club, so certainly the underdog here. They play out of the second biggest city in the country, Rotterdam. Uh, Their halcyon days were the uh, 1960s and 70s. But that's not to say that they haven't had some more recent success. 15 league titles to their credit. Last one was in 2016-17. They won what is now the Champions League uh, the very last year of the 1970s. Uh, Otherwise, they've been somewhat of an intermittently appearing Champions League team. They never really do any better than the group stage. Here in the last 20 years, the modern era for the Europa League, uh, they have made the round of 32 a couple different times. They qualified for this event by winning a special ECL playoff in their league last year. Basically, uh, a couple of the lower teams from their championship round, the top half of the league, and the uh, winner of the relegation round or the bottom half of their league all vied for this particular berth, and Feyenoord got it. They advanced to the final by beating uh, Marseille 3-2 to out of France's League One. Keep people to look for. Tied for number one in events scored. Not tied. Don't know why I keep saying that. He's got it all to himself. With 10 goals, Cyril Dessers. Uh, he is a Belgian forward on loan from, I can never remember the pronunciation. I'm recording at a very late hour. Uh, I believe it's Yank, G-E-N-K. In any case, setting him up tied for number one in assists for the event is Luis Sinistera, Colombian winger, uh, just 22 years old. Arsenal are in the lead for his services as well. That'd be great to get him. But Lille and Nice from Francis League One are also in play. In the current years, uh, this year's era DVC, they are in third place. The season is over, and they have already earned themselves a Europa League berth. And by the way, uh, the era DVC, or it might be era the VCA, I can never remember. Anyway, it is the seventh ranked league in Europe. Another reason to see this team as the underdog because Serie A, I believe, is the number three league in all of Europe. Uh, they finished with the third best offense, scoring over two goals per match, and the second best defense, conceding only one goal per game on average. Their form is also 1 1 and 1. Uh, they lost their last, uh, the very last match they played, a league one, one to two at a club called uh, Twente, and that snapped an 11 match unbeaten streak for them. Bring forth the bonus matches. Ah, yes, perhaps my favorite part of the show, and in large part because you, the listener, have had a chance to help decide what the matches were going to be. I put up polls on Twitter every single week. You get to vote, and then the magic content gets made. It's dreamy. The first match we're going to look at is called the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And you have selected a Friday match from Africa. The Girabola of Angola, the top flight there where there's only three matches left in the season. Uh, This is the seventh ranked league in Africa, by the way. Uh, That means they should get two Champions League bursts. 
what it also means is that they're going to get three teams relegated. Number one, Petra de Luanda is going to play host to number 16 in last place, Sporting de Benguela on Friday. Now, uh, we're always looking for reasons to, you know, we kind of root for upsets for these matches. and We want to believe and we want to find reasons to have that faith. Well, uh, Petro de Luanda are really good. They are 12 points up on Sagrada Esperanza. So they've already won the league. Maybe they won't be playing all their starters, give their reserves a little extra time, which could give Sporting de Benguela a chance. Now, that said... Benguela, they've got no mathematical shot at getting out of the relegation zone. They trailed number 13, C.D. Lundasul, by 21 points. Maybe that means that they'll play a lot of their reserves, too. Here's to hoping not, because they could climb out of last place still. They trailed number 15, Cabuscorp, by 5. It's a little bit of a long shot, but it could happen. When these two played earlier this season... Uh, on the road, PDL got the win, nil three. No surprise there since they're in first place, and we will talk about them first. They play out of the capital city of Luanda. Their stadium is a really nice one. It holds nearly 50,000 people, uh, the Estadio 11 Novembro. Now, they got 15 league titles, but what I was surprised to see, because I'm always seeing their names in Champions League and various things, they haven't actually won the league title domestically since 2009. But that said, they got all the way to the semifinals of this year's Champions League before they lost. Last year, they finished in second place, how they qualified for that Champions League berth. Uh, this year, they've got the number one offense by a whole lot, scoring over two and a half goals per match. And the number one defense, they flirted with only giving up a goal every other match on average. Teams current form, they are unbeaten uh, in their last four, and they've only lost once in their last 11 matches. And now Benguela, the club is named after the city, uh, is a West Central Port City in a capital of the province, also of the same name. They probably got just a little over three quarters of a million people there. Uh, it used to be much smaller in fairly recent history, but the city swelled inside because of uh, uh, inter- civil uh, refugees during and after the Angola Civil War they ran through 2002. Uh, This is not a city that's doing super great, to be perfectly honest, economically, even though they're a coastal city, because I believe the nation's only deep water port is just a little bit further north. That's the uh, city of Lobito. Uh, This area economically, uh, it's a big trade center because of uh, the railway that's been there so long, some agriculture, some manganese. Um, I don't, as far as the footy, I don't believe that this team was in Division One even last year, and I know that they were in the second division as recently as 2018. Now they did have some years in the top flight in the 80s and 90s. Best they ever did back then was fifth place. This year they've only got one win. They are barely scoring more than a half a goal per game. That's about as low as I've ever seen for any team in any league. That is so unfortunate. And they're conceding well over two and a half goals per match on average. Uh, As you would imagine, those stats are both far and away the worst in the league. That said, said it again. We're always looking for those reasons. They are 1-2-0 and in their last three. They've been playing a little small ball. Five and three goal differential. So maybe, just maybe, if they can stay on fire, we could see an upset. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. 
Smack dab in the middle of their table. The match that you have voted for from the many candidates was a Saturday match from right here at home, the USL Championship. And yeah, what other show is going to celebrate teams right in the middle of the standings? Part of what makes us unique. Now, these two teams were a little bit closer to the center, but they played a game or two since I scouted it. So right now we're looking at number 10 in the Western Conference, Orange County, and they are playing host to number six, El Paso. And by the way, uh, they run things in the USLC this year exactly the same as they do in Major League Soccer. Top seven from the Eastern and Western Conferences all go to the playoffs, and the winners of each of the conferences will get a bye into the second round. A little bit more on the standings and how things are looking. Uh, there's a, a fair bit of variation between how many games all the teams have played. El Paso has played 12. That's more than anybody else in the entire division. Meanwhile, uh, Orange County, they have only played nine matches, a few, a fewer than just about anybody else. El Paso, they currently lead number eight LA Galaxy's uh, reserve team by two points to the table. They lead Orange County by four. And then Orange County, in turn, they lead uh, number 13 in last place, Monterey Bay by six. There's no relegation out of the USL championship, but you still don't want to finish in last. You can catch this game on ESPN Plus, 10 o'clock Eastern time. First, we'll talk about the former LA Blues. That was what Orange County was founded as back in 1998. Uh, they've had one, maybe two ownership changes. I know when they had one in 2016, that's when they rebranded uh, to Orange County SC. They play out of the city of Irvine and in the 2,500-seater, that is, Championship Soccer Stadium at Great Park. Last year, uh, things were divided into groups or divisions within the conferences. They finished in second place in their group, number three in the West overall. Uh, and they are your defending champions, which makes it a little bit weird that here they are in the most meaningless match in the world. Uh, they weren't really supposed to do that well. They had a terrible start to their season and fired their coach halfway through. But they got into the playoffs and won it all. They also won their uh, conference in the USL in 2016 and 18. This year, they are about as average or meaningless as you can get so far. 3-3-3 three, three, and three, uh, with just a barely positive goal differential. They're a little better on defense than they are on offense, but pretty average in both regards. Not so average himself. Top 10 in the league in scoring. Their best player, perhaps. Milan Ilosky, 22-year-old forward who played his college ball at UCLA. Had a cup of coffee when he came out and played for RSL, Real Salt Lake. But they pretty quickly transferred him down to uh, their uh, reserve team, the Monarchs. Now, something we like to do when we have access to the stats is take a look for the most average or meaningless player. The guy we're going to sort of pick on is Hunter Gorski. You're doing all right, Hunter Gorski. You're just not doing great or terrible. Time will tell if you decide to go up or down. He plays center back for them. He's 30 years old. Uh, he's been a U.S. lifer for the most part, but he's never played in Major League Soccer. Uh, he did spend one season in one of the lower uh, one of the lower leagues in Poland, which I guess isn't surprising given his last name. In any case, take a look at his stats. What makes him so darn meaningless? Well, he's a solid enough passer. He's an okay tackler. Doesn't get a lot of interceptions and only has two blocked shots. So not sure what kind of center back he really is. Certainly not the kind that's uh, playing way forward a whole bunch. Doesn't have any goals or assists on the year. But hey, at least... He's uh, at least he's average. It could be a lot worse. Team's current form: they are two one and zero in their last three, with a nine and four goal differential. Just starting to heat up. 
In fact, they just walloped Tulsa four to one in their last match. And now the locomotive that is El Paso, a much younger club, they were founded in 2018. Last year, they won their group and were the second best team overall in the West, lost in the playoffs and the conference quarterfinals. Uh, they've been very good very early. Their first two years of existence, they made the playoffs as well, and they won their group last year. This year, they are number one offensively in their conference. They're the only one scoring over two goals per match. Their defense is abysmal. They're near the bottom in that regard. And yet, uh, things are sandwiched a little bit defensively. They've still got the number three goal goal, goal differential overall. Uh, Making the offense click. Top 10 score in the league with six so far is Luis uh, Solniak. Uh, he's an Argentinian forward, 31 years old. Uh, he's been in the MLS a while. Uh, 90 appearances uh, a few years ago between Chicago and uh, the Chicago Fire and Colorado Rapids. And then in top 10, it assists in the league right now is Dylan Mares. He is an attacking midfielder from here in the U.S. Did his college work at Louisville and Indiana. He too is a sub MLS lifer, as I have branded players like this, uh, mostly uh, League One now or uh, championship level teams, second and third tier. The most average or meaningless player that they seem to have going is Eric Cavillo. He is from El Salvador, central midfielder, just got one goal on the season. Uh, interesting statistically because he's uh, he's a very good uh, high percentage passer with his crosses, but he doesn't try a lot, which is really weird for a central midfielder. Now he tracks back pretty well on defense. He's a solid tackler and his passing accuracy is good, if not quite great for a central midfielder. When it comes to clearances, he's a short, he's no help at all. Five foot, seven inches tall, made 14 appearances for San Jose earthquakes in uh, MLS. But most of the time that they had the rights to him, he uh, got loaned out to the now defunct, uh, second-tier team in Reno. As far as the team's current form, they are heating up as well, 4-1-0 in their last five. And uh, the only loss that they've had uh, at all recently was to uh, number B in the East, Pittsburgh Riverhounds. And so now we reach the true end of our podcast road, appropriately the 13th match of the show, for this is the match of... Disappointed! And all the candidate matches that you were able to vote on were the last place two teams from various leagues in the world. The one that you have selected for us to pick on is a Saturday match from Slovenia's first league, where it is the last match of the season, blessedly for these two teams, because they have not had a fine time of it at all. One is going to get relegated. One is going to have to fight for their first league lives in a relegation playoff with some second division team. Your matchup. Number 10, Illuminia versus number nine, Tabor. And mathematically, they fill those two spots that I uh, just mentioned in terms of relegation because, uh, let's see, Tabor lead Illuminia by six, and they trail number eight, Cellier, by 13. So these are easily the two worst. Appropriately, in recent seasons, the series between them has been perfectly even, even as they have accrued four, four, and four records. When they played earlier this season at Tabor, it finishes a 1-1 draw. Since I've committed us to it, we will unhappily talk about Illuminia first. They play out of the very small town of Kidrachevo in the northeast part of the country. I know as of a decade ago, it only had 1,200 people. I can't think it's grown that much. 
Um, it's a planned community that was built in the 1900s around the still incredibly important aluminum smelting plant. You know it's important because the club is named after it. Now, uh, even more disappointing than the soccer, unfortunately, is the other thing that this area is probably most famous for, and that is the Sturtle Concentration Camp was here. Uh, this is where ethnic Germans uh, largely awaited expulsion after the World War, so not a happy history here. Neither is the soccer, though. They are known as the Foresters. Uh, they actually did win the top flight league once, but you've got to go back a long ways, 1966. That trophy has uh, picked up a lot of dust since then, I'm sure. Now, these guys have had a, a really miracle run from them. This was their fifth straight season getting to play in the top flight. Because other than that, at least since 1991-92, they've only spent one other year in Division One. They actually did finish in the top half of the league once, and that was just in 2019-20. But then they went back to their uh, putrid ways, so uh, good job, I guess. Last year, they finished in seventh place. Uh, this year, they've got four wins, which is only half as many as anybody else in the entire league. The problem, is, as bad as their offense is, the problem is defense. It is the worst by lots. They give up two goals per match. And they've got the worst goal differential by over three and a half times anyone else, including their opponents today. Uh, they do have one player who has tried to earn whatever salary or stipend he gets. Team leading scorer uh, with four on the year is Matron Sroller. He is a Croatian defender. How bad is that when one of your team's leading scorers is from the defensive side of the ball? Not a good sign. Team's current form, you'll be shocked to hear they have lost five straight. Uh, but what is mildly shocking, even given how bad they are, is their goal differential over that stretch is 4-18. and 18. Cover your eyes or stab them out in Oedipean fashion. Let's move on to a team that's only slightly less terrible, Tabor, playing out of the city of Setzana. That's in the southwest part of the country. It's a little bit bigger town. they got over 6,000 people there. Uh, it's a little bit less than an hour drive in the capital of uh, Leobliana. Uh, that's, uh, this town is right on the Italian border. Uh, the town of uh, Trieste is on the other side. It's a really famous area. Historically, you go back to the World War 1945. Uh, this was a big place for uh, resistance fighters. Uh, they fought off the uh, fascist soldiers from over in Italy. And even though they're really, really bad and almost certainly going to be in Division Two next year, we will wish an early happy 100th birthday. They're 99 years old right now this year. Now, they haven't played all of those years because how can you have that disappointing of a team without having a lot of bad financial history to go with it? They have gone bankrupt, I believe, multiple times. The most recent one was after the 2003-2004 season. And for some reason, an omnibenevolent god of the universe still allows them to reform and keep coming back to suck again. <laughs> they're back in division one now after the 2019 season. So they haven't been up here too long last year. They almost finished in the top half, got sixth place uh, this year. They've got the worst offense in the league, not even managing uh, one goal per match. Now they do have a pretty average defense. So basically they've been trying to play small ball and it just hasn't been working out. Uh, they do have one decent player, the least bad one, let's call him, Top 10 league scorer with five goals on the year is Dino Stanchish, their winger. So um, 
Per our traditional fashion, we will not wish these teams good luck, as might be appropriate to do at the end of the show, but rather we will escort them hither on in our usual fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get him away. Hey, boo. Boo. Enough. Yeah, that does it for episode 84 of Soccer New Rock in America. Thank you so much to the management for all of his editing and production wizardry to Dan, the former interno inferno, whose creative efforts are always on fire and appreciated. And of course, kisses for you daughter person new. Thanks much. You really brought the heat this week. Loved what you did. And thank you so much to you, the listener for finding us. We know you've got a lot of choices out there. We endeavor to bring you something really unique, both with the type of matches that we're going out of our way to cover and uh, you know, putting together some of the silly Huber pieces. Hopefully you find that they go together and you can recommend us to your footy-minded friends. Until we can do it again in a few days, hey, have a fabulous footy week. Take care.